What's up, everyone? This is Mary Jane. And this is Mike from Weed and Grub. And this week's episode is very special. We're presenting our South by Southwest 2021 panel. Yeah, it is called How Art and Entertainment Are Crucial in Destigmatizing Cannabis. Thank you so much to South by Southwest for having us. We were on our way to South by Southwest 2020 when, of course, the whole world shut down. And uh, we were so thrilled to be invited back for South by Southwest 2021 and have this awesome conversation with our wonderful guests, Laganja Estranja and Open Mike Eagle. A couple quick thank yous. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much to Zoe Wilder and Mike Scher for not only ushering us through the process of South By, but helping us get selected. Yes. And thank you so much to Adam Wode. I hope I'm saying that right. The senior conference programmer at South By Southwest who shepherded us through the entire process. And thank you to all of you. We were invited to be a part of South By through their panel picker program, where South By Southwest has a large decision-making they make a lot of decisions, <laughs> but it also depends on people who vote yeah. on what they want to see. So thank you all for not only voting for us, but fighting to make sure that we have a voice as we build this federal legalization machine the right way. Yeah, it was really thrilling to be a part of this festival with all of the incredible other conference sessions and speakers. And it's just amazing. And I really hope that we can attend in person next year. This year, we had to just eat barbecue in Mike's apartment and pretend that we were there. <laughs> <laughs> Is that bad? It wasn't bad. It was a great time, actually. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yo, my, <laughs> bring Austin to my apartment anytime you want, Mary Jane. <laughs> Last thing that I would like to say is if you would like to watch this panel, we uploaded it to our YouTube channel, which is Weed and Grub for free. So listen here, watch it there, or sync them both at the same time somehow, Ooh. and have your... Oh, that sounds like have a nightmare. An awkward stereo <laughs> experience that makes you feel a little weird. <laughs> Um, hope everybody had a wonderful 420 also. Yes, this is the week of 420, and it's just thrilling to be able to present this. So thank you again to South by Southwest. Thank you to all of you for rocking with us. Happy 420, and uh, should we get to it? Yeah, without further ado, here is our South by Southwest 2021 panel. How art and entertainment are crucial in destigmatizing cannabis. Hello, and welcome to Weed and Grub. What up, Mary Jane? How's it going, Mike? So good. How are you? I'm doing really well. Thank you. Hi, everyone. We are the co-hosts of Weed and Grub, a podcast about cannabis, comedy, cooking, culture, and calling stuff out. And barbecue. Ooh, that's right. We were so excited to be accepted to South by Southwest, and we had big plans to hit every barbecue joint in Austin, but... You know, since we can't do that this year, and we're celebrating safely at home with ribs, oh. you know, want one? Yes. More What's... like weed and rub, am I right? I mean, no, you know what? Yeah, we are weed and rub. <laughs> I am Mary Jane Gibson. I am a writer and performer. I was the culture editor at High Times for several years, and now I write for Rolling Stone, Playboy, and other outlets covering cannabis culture, entertainment, and cutting-edge trends. And Complex named you one of the most powerful women in weed. Thanks, Mike. I mean, it's true. You're amazing. <laughs> and I am Mike Glazer. I am an Emmy-nominated comedian who has worked with HBO, Comedy Central, Food Network. I also graduated culinary school and got to cook with Gordon Ramsay 
Lindsay, which was a dream come true. Uh, I starred in the BuzzFeed hit series, High Guys, and I won a gold medal as a roller hockey goalie for Team USA. And you were named to the prestigious Cannabis 40 Under 40 list. Plus Snoop Dogg's company, Mary Jamed, named us both power players. Oh. Yeah, I mean, we've accomplished a lot while smoking weed. <laughs> we love cannabis, and as writers and performers, we are dedicated to getting the right message out about the plant. That's what our podcast, Weed and Grub, is all about. I started writing about cannabis for high times in 2007, which was several years before Colorado and Washington became the first states to legalize cannabis for adult use. And at that time, many of my colleagues used pen names to protect themselves and their families as they were covering cannabis, which was declared a Schedule One drug under the Nixon administration, along with heroin and LSD. Methamphetamine and cocaine are considered less dangerous as Schedule Two drugs. It's crazy. I've, it's crazy. I've watched the legal cannabis industry evolve for almost 15 years now, and it is an amazing time, but there are so many issues to address from the harms of the racist war on drugs and the stigma about cannabis use that lingers from drug war propaganda. We should state that your name is actually Mary Jane. It is my real name. Yeah, pretty cool. <laughs> Not a pen name. <laughs> so here's where we're at today. One in three Americans live in a state with legal cannabis, and the Democratic Party is pushing for federal legalization this year. It's great. The Green Rush is fantastic. Last year, we hit $5 billion in legal cannabis sales. Some states are even putting that money back into mental health initiatives, building new parks, cleaning forests, science and policy research, substance abuse programs. Great. But even though cannabis was deemed essential during the pandemic, there are still tens of thousands of people in prison for cannabis. Some are serving life sentences. And that's all while wealthy white people profit off a plant that's putting these people behind bars. So there's a huge stigma around cannabis. It can destroy your life. It's dangerously addictive. It'll destroy the lives of those you love. And it's just not true. Which brings us to our session, how art and entertainment are crucial in destigmatizing cannabis. With our guests, Open Mike Eagle and Laganja Estranja. Laganja Estranja is a world-renowned female illusionist, choreographer, music artist, cannabis advocate, and LGBTQIA plus icon. Laganja earned a, a degree in dance and choreography from CalArts and catapulted to stardom after appearing on season six of RuPaul's Drag Race with an amazing entrance. Her television and film credits include Heidi Klum's Queen of Drags, So You Think You Can Dance, Germany's Next Top Model, Bon Appetit, uh, America's Got Talent, and many more. And her choreography credits include a range of artists like Miley Cyrus. So cool. Laganja's first music single, Legs, dropped in 2015. Critical acclaim from Pitchfork Magazine earned the track a top spot among the best music of RuPaul's drag divas. Since then, Laganja has dropped banger after banger, including Look At Me, featuring Jay Tyler, which has more than half a million views on YouTube. Open Mike Eagle, incredible rapper, comedian, terrifically talented artist. His hip hop albums include Hello Personal Film Festival, which was on Rolling Stone's best albums of 2016. The universally celebrated Brick Body Kids Still Daydream, which was on Rolling Stone's best albums of 2017. And his newest album, Anime Trauma and Divorce, Pitchfork called it as bleak and funny as anything he's ever done. Open Mike Eagle also co-created the Comedy Central show, The New Negroes, and guest stars in Netflix's new show, History of Swear Words. He also launched a podcast network called Stony, Aud Stony Island Audio, featuring critically acclaimed podcasts like What Had Happened Was with Prince Paul. <sighs> they are our good buds, incredible artists, and they love weed. Yeah. So let's get into it. Without further ado, here is our conversations with Laganja Estranja and Open Mike Eagle about how art and entertainment are crucial in destigmatizing cannabis. Rib time? Yep. 
Mm. Open mic eagle, what's going on? Oh, what's going? That's a loaded question, sir. Um, hello, that's what's going on. Hi, <laughs> good to see you both. Um, yeah, man, we're living through uh, the apocalypse, the, the slowest apocalypse that ever was. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like it's a snail climbing uphill, pushing a boulder, and we know that it's going to get to the top of the hill, but that snail could like pick up the pace a bit. A little bit. If they, if there were any time for snails to rush, it's now. <laughs> <laughs> I was listening to you on talk on another podcast about uh, how you like to eat edibles when you get on an airplane. Oh, it's the best. Right on the plane. Mm -hmm. I've ridden both just about everything good I've written in my life <laughs> it was high on an edible on an airplane sometimes I can remember the flight when I hear the song back like oh yeah I remember this one can you talk a little bit about how that edible and how weed plays a role in your artist artistic process on the plane like how do you how do you write um it it opens me up to possibilities that I wouldn't think of in my normal frame of mind it 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 um so you know how we all get millions of signals in our brain at one time uh, for, you know, for, okay, so like my brain is noticing the light coming from this ring light and the light on my camera and everything going on in your room and everything going on in my room that I can see uh, from my video feed and everything, like it's, my brain is noticing all of this, but we train our attention to just focus on what we think is important in a moment. When I uh, am off an edible, my tunnel expands a little bit to where it can be more conscious of more things within that information that it's taking in. So that when I'm writing, I can see pathways forward that I wouldn't have seen uh, in my normal state of mind. I think what's cool about what I'm hearing you say is because this panel is about art, entertainment, social justice, awareness, education, the idea of you using weed as a tool to open up your brain artistically and dig a little bit deeper into who you are, I don't think it's talked about from in that way amongst artists enough. It's always seen as like, look at me, I'm smoking. I got a bunch of chicks around me. Um, booties are clapping on a Corvette and I'm all about that. I love <laughs> Corvettes and I love booties. But what you're talking about is like, a real like ability to search within your own soul and how maybe that could be healthy for everyone. Yeah. I, I do think that even if you look at like a lot of mainstream rap, I, I think that there are a lot like, cause a lot of those people, this is the other thing they don't, they don't say those people are workaholics. Like you can't really be lazy and be a mainstream musician. You just won't have a career. Um, the output that they are expected to have is very high level. Um, so those people typically, um, just about all the popular rappers you can think of, they're making music all night long, every night. Um, and for the ones that do smoke, I do think that's part of their tool belt. I think that especially with the output that they have to maintain, if they were in the same mindset, a straight mindset all the time, they would write the same song over and over again. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I think that they have to, they don't have to, but I think it benefits them to be more open and to be able to receive different types of ideas and, and iterate in different ways from day to day. In the entertainment industry, TV and film, what do we need to do? I think it's really easy for people writing TV and film 
to lean into like stereotypes of what it means to be like a pothead or a stoner or you know um i think those those things are easy i think it's it's a it's a little more difficult to get into the nuance and the complexities of like how we can interact with somebody's world um you know like my my mom smokes my mom is smoking weed my whole life my whole life my mom has smoked a joint a day my entire life as far as i am like consciously aware of my own life uh-huh. um but she doesn't fit into any of those stereotypes you know she's a working class woman who who you know um has had all kind of different jobs um doing all kind of different things and just smoked weed the whole time you know and i don't think it was i don't think it's something that you you would have thought that she was doing and and i don't think it fits into how you know weed smoking is usually characterized in tv and film so i think it just it it has to it has to get a little bit more granular and kind of zoom in um and kind of show um something a little bit more realistic three-dimensional i should say because there are there's it stoners it's also a real thing too like there are stoners mm-hmm. there are you know hippie potheads too but you know i, I think just to, to to make it a little bit more three-dimensional than that i think is a way to go do you remember what oh i'm sorry oh i'm sorry no I'm... let's say our questions at the same time <laughs> <laughs> no mary jane go ahead I was just going to ask about that time about smoking by yourself and and getting to that comfort level. If if you know, I think music must have been a big part of that. And if you remember, like the first time you heard music in a new way or understood music in a different way, because of high. I used to make a lot of beats when I was high by myself in that phase of my life, and I think that. It wasn't so much that it made me hear the music differently. It just made me understand hip hop a little differently. Like understand like the joy of taking a song that you like and like chopping it up and looping it and adding drums to it and making it something else and just sitting with that thing and listening to it over and over and over again. Like it, it, it just kind of made me connect with rap producers and, and understand the joy of what it must have been like for you know, Dr. Dre to be looping Funkadelic songs or, you know, DJ Premier to find the little couple of seconds of the song, the beat that he made mass appeal over and just be listening to that over and over again. Like, you know, I, I, th- I think being able to really sit in a vibe was something that I needed for my own mental space at that time in terms of my journey with weed. And, and I think like it helped me to understand the creation of hip hop and how I was going to create hip hop um, during that same time as well. How does that tie into, how, how does hip hop and weed tie into things like social equity for you, which is a big broad question. So I can refine it if you like, but as we head towards federal legalization, mm-hmm. something that everybody is trumpeting and championing is we need to get these people out of prison who don't deserve to be there for life. We need to stop this like frisking of somebody because they smell something so that mm-hmm. they can stuck you in jail forever. So it, is there a correlation between 
hip hop, weed, and social equity for you or that you see out in the world? Um, I don't I don't know how much hip hop plays into it for me, but, I, you know, I just grew up in a world where everybody was smoking weed and, and it was very illegal. And so there was a lot of fear around it, um, you know, from my mom smoking to, you know, uh, childhood friends smoking to, you know, uncles and aunts. And then when I'm in college, everybody's smoking and trying to figure out where to get weed. And I was a RA and I was smoking with my residents. Like, oh, you're the cool one. Oh my God. I was the worst RA ever in terms of <laughs> any sort of policy. I was awful. Um, but yeah, I was cool. Um, <laughs> but, you know, there's always been this fear associated with it because people would go to jail. Like there were people, there were people I went to college with that like this one guy got literally kidnapped and tortured because he was his weed sales were fucking with somebody else's weed sales you know what i'm saying like and and to think that in my lifetime that it would be legal it's it's unimaginable it's unimaginable just to think that just to just to think of all of the the strife that was caused of people trying to get a hold of this substance to use it for their own you know benefit um, and, and it's like, yeah, we can let everybody out of jail, but you know what this country is really bad at? This country is really bad at like saying something is illegal for 200 years and then suddenly saying it's legal and then acting like there was no damage caused, you know, like if, even if it was in the last 20 years, if, if society is leaning more towards that, then they should also be looking at any psychological fallout, like collateral psychological damage of like the punitive policies, you know, and, and how this, this, this substance that's supposed to be really relaxing and healthy has this stigma around it, that people have become fully formed human beings with this stigma attached to this thing, you know? Um, but this country is really bad at addressing the traumatic fallout of any decisions that that it makes as a government or a society. It's always it's always, you know, like, um, yeah, we're, we're in a we're in a, a pandemic. So everybody stay home and nobody work. And it's like, yeah, that's that's what we're supposed to be doing. And that makes a lot of sense. But is there also not a psychological fallout to be dealt with? with people not being able to be socials as we're social animals for a year, like what does that do to people? Are, are, are there things that we should be aware of? Is there a mental health component to any of this? And, and our, our society is really bad at looking at things that way. We're always just expected to do as the experts say, which is of course a, a good thing to do. Um, but there's, there's all of this, um, peripheral trauma and 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 i know that word is used a lot but i think if we look at how we've spent the last years of our lives there's going to be something that we take with us from that and not everybody's going to deal with it well and for the people who have stayed home and stayed safe like where is the support that they can receive for how like they've managed to deal with this challenging situation. I, I feel like too, all too often, like, it, you know, if or if and when weed becomes federally legal, 
they'll say, oh, well, we let everybody out of jail if they even do that. You know, they'll be like, we let everybody out of jail. So it's fine now. No, it's not fine. <laughs> it's not fine. Like it's it's there's I think our society has a little bit more of a duty to understand how things have affected people and understand how to help them process um, than what we currently, we don't give enough energy to that, I think, at all. And you just make me think about how, like, yeah, let's release all of these prisoners, but a lot of them aren't going to be allowed to get jobs in the cannabis industry because they have records, which is bullshit. Um, counseling sounds so, like, impossible unless there's money in the federal legalization for mental health reform. Like, this is, like, we're having a bigger conversation than I expected right now. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot to be done, um, and 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 I'm just my my worry is that those things will go under the radar, like the 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 the, the nuanced ways that people have been affected by um, all the old laws are going to go um, go untreated, and like you said, there's just there's I can already tell there's no, they're not going to do enough. Yeah. Like even even because I, I like they're they're not gonna, I don't I don't not sure if they're gonna let everybody out of jail you know and and like you said even if they do like they won't there won't be particular care given towards this type of felony versus another type of felony even though this thing that was previously considered a felony is now completely legal and like you know everybody from you know soccer moms to to church pastors if they wanted to could smoke a joint you know like it there there's there's not going to be enough consideration for any of that because typically that's not where our efforts are put do you have a dream project that could be funded by weed somehow yeah i'm actually working on that i'm 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 working with a company um i hear now um and you know they they want to get the word out about their brand and you know one of the ways i'm going to propose them to do that is to create a forum where um where i talk to people and um you know i think having their name attached to that is going to be really good for them <laughs> you know <laughs> um and and yeah and, and i think that's i'm fortunate enough to be in unique ways to take advantage of companies wanting to um market themselves in that way and, and pay real money for brand awareness because I, I you know I, I have a I have um a lot of resource in terms of people to talk to in that sort of arena um and I've proven that I can do it <laughs> so um yeah you know as I, I think that there's a few different ways in which um this this new money coming in from these new companies who really do want to be they want to be put forward in the marketplace um that creatives like myself and you guys and, and like people are going to be uh able to pitch them things that can work i love the idea of instead of them asking you to sort of like just give your image to their brand instead they're turning around and funding your art it's a right. much more uh i don't know copacetic way of working with you know money from cannabis and someone who could be the face of the brand there's the there's the way of 
interacting with a brand where it's just like, yeah, just hold this joint in your Instagram or, you know what I'm saying? Like, and that's great. That's great. Um, but I think like what these brands really want is to feel like they're integrated into your world. You know, they don't want it because everybody is aware of the Instagram ad and everybody like, oh, okay, well, that's something that happened as a transaction. And he doesn't really care about that. And they don't really care about him. And, you know, like, even if the truth is they still don't care, uh, it'll look and feel better if it's if it's something that's a little bit more developed than just you know the photo or the Instagram story. Like, we should wrap up with some lyrics from your most recent album. Oh, fun way to plug the album because uh, it's so dope. Oh well, let, let's let's do that then. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's some rapping. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, we were listening to What the Fuck is Self-Care? Mm-hmm. And you have a line in there about weed. Yep, I do. Because, um, you know, that song is kind of just about, um, you know, there's a lot of talk about self-care. And I honestly, uh, at the time of writing that song, I had no idea what it meant to me. I just know that the sorts of things that it's used to discuss are things that make me think of like middle-class people or people that live in nice neighborhoods and people with, um, you know, expendable income that, you know, they live above a yoga studio so they can just go downstairs and do the yoga, you know, and that's great. That's great. That's fantastic for them. I, however, live in the black American ghetto. There's no yoga studio over here, you know? So like if, if self-care as it's described is about access to these different resources, then I have to define it differently for myself and my circumstance. And that's really what that song is about. And it's kind of like a conversation uh, I'm having with some person, it's not real. Um, and in that, it's one part, um, you know, it's like somebody else oh, somebody said, oh yeah, self-care is seeing what your body needs. Well, I'm like, my own, maybe that's a lot of weed. Like maybe, maybe that's what <laughs> my body's asking for. And in some cases it does. So um, it's it's about trying to expand the idea of self-care uh, rather than the the kind of one size fits all deal that I feel like it has today. Well, this has been amazing. I'm so glad that we got to do this virtually. I can't wait to do it in person. Uh, yeah. It's just always amazing to hang out and hear you talk about all the incredible things that go on in your brain. Yeah, well, you know, I, 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 I invite y'all to pick it anytime and I'll pick yours and we'll just pick each other's brains all in a, in a half, in a circle. It'll be great. Awesome. So it'll be like smoking, passing and picking. There we go. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> smoking, great. passing, picking. <laughs> Um, what are your handles? Where can everybody find you? Uh, I'm at Mike underscore Eagle on Twitter. Um, open underscore Mike underscore Eagle on Instagram. And uh, all the stuff I'm doing is at MikeEagle.net on the internets. And your podcast corporation that you created has some yeah. fire, fire shows under it as well. Thank you. Yeah, Stony Island Audio is the name of my podcast network. Uh, we got six shows on there right now. We're adding some more stuff real soon. Amazing. Thank you, man. Thank you for Thank doing it. Thank you, for sure. Well, hello. It's lovely to see you. Hello. Lovely to see you both. Wish we could be in the same room. What piece of your work do you feel best represents your cannabis activism? 
Well, that's a hard one because I'd like to think that all my pieces of work represent me, my community and cannabis in a positive and educational light. But if I had to pick just one piece of artwork that I've created, it would probably be my music video, Look At Me, which I think showcased a lot of my talents, not only the fact that I'm able to rap and dance and perform as a female illusionist, but also, you know, infusing pun intended, uh, a message, a message about cannabis and a message of freeing the people of color who are still in jail for cannabis. Can you talk about the evolution of Laganja Stranja? Well, I never thought that I would be here today as the queen of green um, and one of the only LGBTQAI plus activists to grace the cover of a cannabis magazine. Um, but I feel uh, a huge joy that I get to live in this legacy of many generations of queers that came before me. And I think the evolution has been through education. You know, when I first started this, I just wanted a platform that was bigger than myself. I felt like any queen, whether they be a beauty queen or a drag queen, should have something that they could stand on their own two feet or stilettos and be very proud of that represented something bigger than themselves. So for me, I chose cannabis because it was such a crucial way for me to discover who I am. During college, I began medicating under Proposition 215, which at that time I had no idea was founded by queer people. And it wasn't until I really became a true activist and realized there was a lot of work that needed to be done and that it wasn't all just going to be, you know, dips and tongue pops uh, that I began to really break down what it was that I was going to be doing as an activist. And that was when I really discovered the cross-section between the LGBTQAI plus community and the cannabis community. So I've tried by living, you know, every day of my life genuinely to, to not only educate those who follow me, but to also be a living example of what a queer who smokes weed can look like. Which is interesting because this is South by Southwest, which is in Austin, and you grew up in Texas. Is that correct? That's so correct. I grew up in Dallas, Texas, double dollar sign. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about Texas and cannabis for a second. Growing up in Texas, there was a lot of stigma around the plant. In fact, it was known as the devil's lettuce. Mm -hmm. It was something we were not to try. Um, so it wasn't really until I was about 18, a senior in high school, that I was even brave enough to try the plant. I was really lucky that I had a friend who introduced it to me as medicine, as a way to be more creative as a choreographer. Um, so that was exactly how I first started getting medicated. And it really did open my eyes to something I'd been lied to about for a very long time. What do you think the entertainment industry is lacking as far as good cannabis content goes? What would you like to see? What I think is the most important or what is really lacking from the content out there is authenticity and varying voices. You know, I think for a long time, cannabis was sold with sex, girls in bikinis with a lot of tattoos who did represent a sort of alternative lifestyle, but didn't really touch on the fact that cannabis is used by everyone. So I would like to see more diversified voices in the community. I would like to see more intentional content, not just content that's hot and cool and pop culture, but like I said, like my art always has a message behind it and is doing something good with it, whether that be through donation, through education, there needs to be more, you know, intent in the promotion. Yeah, there needs to be more intent in the promotion that's created. I really feel like a lot of the times it's just about selling the product and not selling the actual idea of cannabis and what it could and should be.
Do you have a dream project? I'm a multifaceted artist. So, you know, I have many dreams in the artistic field, like directing a Cirque du Soleil. Um, But uh, one of my main goals as a cannabis activist is to open safe spaces for queer individuals to come and consume. I definitely dream of owning my own dispensary that I would employ drag queens who would be able to do shows throughout the day, strains named around different, you know, queer icons and and queer words and and really create, you know, a a moment in time that is, is truly iconic. Because I think, like I said, queers have been fighting for this plant for a long, long time and they've deserved to have a uh, a flagship and I would love to be the person to create that. That would be so amazing. I can even see like a runway in the middle of the dispensary where you can show off your like new products and bonds and fashion. Ooh, and I'm trust me. I, I have many ideas for the <laughs> interior design, but it would definitely reflect me be bright, bright colored, lots of glitter metallics. I think it would be a lot of fun. Yeah. Is a good name for a strain death drop (laughs) well no actually it's not because uh death drop is an appropriated term for the actual dance term dip which is something i've learned along my way uh you know as i said i i've i've gained a lot of education through this career and it's not always easy to learn in public but i think the best thing you can do is to just breathe and know no one's perfect and unfortunately when i was on rupaul's drag race the term that i did know was death drop for the move that i perform when i entered on season six um, but i've been so lucky to receive the education from the vogue and ballroom community where the actual move is derived from and because of that i've tried to kind of spread that out as much as i can because i think it's so important we acknowledge people who came before us, uh, you know, specifically in the drag community, we're talking about the black and brand, black and brown trans brothers and sisters who fought for our rights. You know, the, the reason gay people have rights is because of trans people. And I think similarly in cannabis, it again is because of people of color that we are able to, you know, be out here smoking freely. And so as an artist and as someone in the entertainment industry, I always try to remind people of this because we do have an extreme amount of privilege and it's very important we acknowledge it and do something with it. Does cannabis play a role in your, in the creation of your art? Do you use cannabis when you're making a piece? I mean, I use cannabis 24 seven. I know you guys know this, Um, you know, cannabis for me is not just a way to be creative, but it's a way to regulate my eating and sleeping cycles. It really also balances out my crazy hormones because I definitely am a uh, high, high and low, low type of person. And cannabis really helps even that out. And I think because cannabis does all of those things, it does help me be more creative, right? Because it helps me be a better person. It helps me be more calm, helps me make sure, you know, I'm eating and sleeping regularly. So when you are doing all of those things, naturally, you're going to be able to be more creative. Um, So yes, I, I absolutely use cannabis when I am, you know, doing my makeup, when I am getting dressed, before I perform, at the end of a performance. I mean, I'm going to have a joint in hand always. Yeah. Does it help you hear music differently as well? Well, on stage, it probably makes it harder because on stage, <laughs> you're, you're battling a lot of elements. So I'm not for sure if it helps me there particularly. But I think when choreographing, right, when listening to music and visualizing the dance, absolutely, you hear music differently. You know, I just think it needs to be more uh, centralized to the ear to really have that kind of experience. <laughs> uh, and your dog's name is Little Dabbers. So... Where Let's see. Come here. There Come here. 
That's right. Even the doggy is on brand. Little Dabbers. <laughs> she's very sleepy right now. She looks like she's been on some Indica because she's in the couch. But uh, yeah, she's my perfect little mascot who, who uh, helps me along my journey. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> she's so sleepy. She's so sweet. I saw her silhouette challenge uh, on your IG. That was amazing. Thank you. I was way too stoned and up way too late doing that. But, you know, she is a star in her own right. So I had to give it to her. I feel like that's when cannabis intersects with the Internet in that perfect way. When I was like, oh, Laganja did Little Dabbers as a silhouette challenge. It's perfect. <laughs> Look, the only way I could really be doing TikTok is to be medicated, okay? I'm playing around with a bunch of 12-year-olds doing these little silly white people dance moves. Uh, so yeah, definitely cannabis integration when it comes to TikTok is key for me. <laughs> That's how to understand TikTok is to be elevated with some good cannabis. Absolutely. I mean, you know, the app to me brings a lot of joy. And as a dancer, I, I totally can relate. But, you know, as someone who's in her 30s, it's definitely, you know, uh, been a journey on that app. But uh, I love it. I think, you know, as an entertainer, these are tools for me, right, to be using. And, and so I try to look at them as that. I try to look at it as another place I can develop uh, a place to create a safe space and to amplify voices. I love the idea of using weed to get you back in touch with culture because I have so many friends as people are going from their 30s into their 40s into their 50s who are just like, I don't know who that new musician is. I don't know who Billie Eilish is and I'm too old for that. And what you're really saying is you're not interested in it, which is okay. But the idea of just getting high, diving into new music, seeing what a 12 year old is excited about. I think that's a really beautiful gateway into reconnecting with the new world. Well, right. I mean, I think, you know, um, I try to have friends of all ages. I've always been like this. You know, I grew up in musical theater at a very young age. So I was surrounded by adults most of my childhood, which I think informed my sort of professional attitude and behavior now. Um, but back then I, I didn't see it is that I just saw it as having conversations with another human being. And I think cannabis has really helped me keep this perspective as I do get older. You know, one of my best friends is 22 years old. So, you know, I, I like to stay young, of course, who doesn't? We're in Hollywood, honey. It's all about staying young. But I, I like to do it with realness. And at the end of the day, you know, I wasn't interested in TikTok, but through doing it and through, through you know, vibing with another generation, I got into it. I mean, one of my favorite singers, India Ari, talks about in one of her songs about if old people would talk to young people, if white people would talk to black people and, you know, so on and so on. And I, I really do believe in this concept. I believe in, you know, us all staying related to one another because what the youth, what the youth has to offer is so important, just as, you know, it's important to listen to our elders and to be in the middle. You know, I think every every point in our life has something special to offer. So it's just all about relating to one another and cannabis helps me do that because I am a people person, but cannabis definitely helps me get on a, a more open-minded level. I feel like that's how you stay young forever is just continuing to ask questions and connecting with people in, in both directions. I agree and smoking weed. <laughs> 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 keeps you young. It keeps you young for sure. I mean, I don't know if that's been scientifically proved, but I feel like it is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like a bong is a fountain of youth as that water goes up. Come on. Dun, dun, awesome. dun, dun, dun. Oh. How does it match the nails? Perfectly. <laughs> fountain of youth at my disposal always. 
Also, and like have- uh, Bette Midler and Hocus Pocus just. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Also, I have to imagine that it, it's good just for your body. I mean, the injuries that you must sustain as a dancer and the incredible you know, pressure that you put on your muscles and joints must, cannabis must help alleviate some of that pain. 100%. Drag is one of the most uncomfortable things you could ever do to yourself. So yes, being able to medicate, to be using CBD topical rubs on my you know, knees after I've been dipping all night long, uh, tinctures. I mean, absolutely. You know, cannabis is integrated in my life in so, so many different ways, even you know, with CBD and THC, using them separately together. I mean, I, I really do believe in the plant as a whole. I love the entourage effect. I'm totally one for, for it all at once, but I definitely do notice, you know, using these CBD topicals on my knees specifically really helps, you know, really, really helps with performance. Just as you were talking, I had this thing idea pop into my head. So it's a pitch. What do you think of making a festival called Laganja Palooza? And love the name. You're the headliner and you get love that. There's, there's two stages and you get to populate both stages with all of the artists that you love and want to work with and we'll emcee the whole thing. I mean, that's a, a, would be a dream come true, obviously. You know, I, I have big goals, like I said earlier in my life, uh, which is why it's hard to pinpoint, you know, just one of them. But I think that sounds like a fabulous idea. And, you know, I have a roster of incredible artists that would be ready to go. So if anyone's listening out there in South by Southwest, we just need your money. We know what to do with it. <laughs> that's it. Well said. <laughs> I, wow. I don't know where to go from there. I mean, come on. That was amazing. Wow. Thank you so much. This has been really amazing. Wonderful to have you. Thank you guys so much. I'm so happy that we were able to do this virtually this year. I know we were all super disappointed last year when we weren't able to present something, but thank you to all the people who voted for us again, who got us in this position. And I hope this is the first of many South by Southwest conversations we'll be having together because I think what we're talking about here is really important. And I hope to see other artists step up to the plate, baby. Come on out. Come on out of that green closet. It feels good. Yeah, I think we have to keep infusing the conversation with our own particular perspectives and opening up our worlds and our platforms to help other people share theirs and continue to have this conversation into the future as policy is happening over here. We're, you know, helping the art and entertainment inform and educate. Yeah, let people all (laughs) over the world know that weed is okay. Weed is cool. Mm -hmm. It could maybe be beneficial to you. And if not, let me do my thing. I think what you're trying to say is weed is okay. Thank you, Laganja Estranja. Thank you so much. This has been wonderful. Thank you. You know, I love you both with all my heart. Thank you all so much for having us at South by Southwest. Thank you so much. It's been such a joy and an honor. Please follow Laganja Estranja at Laganja Estranja on Instagram. And please follow Open Mike Eagle on Instagram at open underscore Mike underscore Eagle. And follow us at Weed and Grub. And please check out our podcast. It drops every Wednesday, everywhere you get your pods. This has been an absolute honor. Thank you all so much. Cornbread macaroni time. I'm digging in. Let's go. Thanks, everyone. I like weed and rub. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, good. Yo. Bye. We'll see you next year, Austin. <laughs>